0: Welcome everyone to the In-house Roundhouse. I'm your host, Mark Enriquez a commercial litigator with Womble Bond Dickinson. We're recording here in Fort Worth, Texas, as part of the SACMA conference focused on the specialty chemical industry. And as part of this special series, we have Bob Girton here. Bob is with Edgewater Capital, and he's going to be talking to us a little bit from the capital perspective in terms of what's happening in the market and with their companies. And then we'll get into a little bit of M&A uh, in today's world and, and what we're seeing there. Bob, really glad to have you join us.
1: Thank you for having me. Appreciate the invitation.
0: Why don't we start, just tell our listeners that may not be familiar with Edgewater Capital a little bit about what you guys do.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So we're based in Cleveland, Ohio. We're a sector-focused private equity firm. We are focused on, uh, I guess what would be called generally performance materials. So that's four areas. So origin story for us is in specialty chemicals. Uh, Number two would be life science. Three would be specialty and advanced materials. And then four would be engineered components. But thematically, things that are ingredients, components, or a technical service would fit our mandate. Um, Size-wise, our companies are typically smaller, uh, so I'd give you a barbell. I'd say a little under half have been owner operators, so they're probably give or take five in EBITDA, and then a, a little over half have been corporate carve-outs. Those are typically a little bigger, so let's say ten to thirty. Okay, give you a sense of scale.
0: Gotcha. Um, I know you were part of a panel earlier here at SACMA. I know. I think a lot of folks are kind of wondering about. What, what's happening in the market generally? And obviously you've got some insight into that given your experience and portfolio. How would you describe the, the market today?
1: Right now, in this instant, or maybe thematically over the last
0: well, let's do both. Let, yeah. Let's give me a, give me some themes. We haven't had a chance to talk in a couple of years. Yeah, uh, I know we did a podcast a while back, yeah. uh, back when we were live, but the, the world is definitely a little different than it was in 2019,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> for, for a number of things, whether it's COVID or Ukraine. But I think the chemical industry's changed too. So maybe give us a theme and then maybe a sense of maybe what you're gonna what you expect to see for the rest of 2022.
1: Ooh, you're making me publicly take a stance. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so let, let's do maybe a little story. Storytelling. So 2020, so leading into that year, I think, and this probably echoes what we felt in our portfolio companies. Uh, we were generally busy early in that year. Pandemic hits, March, April, we all go, I, I don't know where this is going. I don't know how to assess risk. I would admit in hindsight, we were too risk adverse and we all kind of turned off. And so we had a couple of deals very late. So in the last two, three weeks from closing die at that point in time. So we took a quarter off as a market. M&A went away, uh, maybe a little more. And then it came back the other extreme latter half of that year, which I imagine your m a guys felt yeah, the same thing. Yeah,
0: definitely true. And for those of you that are regular listeners, you know we did a whole episode on the red-hot M&A market with my partner saying they'd been busier doing deals than in 30 years of practice. So, yeah. So and, I say, and I would say... I would true care, for
1: you, too. Yeah, and I would enhance in 20 late 2020, it would have been businesses that had resiliency or were enhanced as a result of the pandemic. Something happened, so take... Um, Sanitation or uh, disinfectant or some story there where you'd be all right, this plays into a pretty positive trend. So that was that was the story of 2020. 2021 then the band-aid got ripped off completely. And so everything that could become to market came to market. And so by an order of magnitude, we were above the prior peak by as a market 30, 35, 40 percent. And we figured out, I think all of us collectively, where the capacity of the MA market was. We were bankers were turning down opportunities. We all flipped in the April, May, June period, where we went from bidding on broad or laying a lot of seeds with indications to picking the critical few. As a result, processes got narrower. That where it would take 20 to get to a a market clearing price is probably taking five. And it doesn't mean prices come down. If anything, the competitive dynamic has stayed up there. But I would say that um, us picking more quickly where we're going to spend our time and our attention that's happening both from the sell side and from the buy side. So the dynamic, I don't think that's going away. And I think that's here to stay. in the role of maybe virtual diligence, accelerating processes is, is probably here to stay as well. Gotcha. So right now, so maybe bring it all full circle. Yeah. 21 was incredible. Probably the peak that we may see in our M&A careers. Q1, I would say the hail like falling into Q1, some stuff that economy didn't get done in Q4 but the new new opportunity it's it's reasonably quiet right now there's some stuff out there but it's reasonably quiet gotcha. um, and i'm hearing so there's
0: this kind of rush a lot of stuff closed into of 2021 yep. some stuff that was lagging in you know continuing over yep. but now new stuff is slowing down yep. because the people that really want to get a deal done a lot of more crunching to get done for tax and other reasons by the end of 21. Well, in the
1: tax law, right, that September was your trigger, right? So pulled things even earlier that you didn't have as much on the like race to the finish in December. Uh, I would have told you, though, four weeks ago, I would have thought the pickup was going to come in April. But now, I think the common logic I'm hearing is it's now not coming until June. So everyone's going to work through supply chain issues, uh, interest rates, uh, war in Ukraine, where everyone's in kind of let's wait and see. And. We'll get it done this year, but there's no rush to go act right now.
0: Okay. Interesting. So you're joining that prediction and probably saying things somewhat quiet until June, but then a pickup in the second half it of the year? It certainly feels that way. So I of, think, air, I air, think air from air?
1: overall stats, if I were to guess, we'll be around uh, 2019. So we won't be anywhere near, in terms of total volume, won't be anywhere near 20 or 21, but it, it may be compressed in the second half of the year. So we're all going to feel pretty full later on this year. Okay.
0: Yeah. Sounds good.
1: Good thing we can check on this a year from now. See, yeah, that's oh, right. Let's see it
0: recorded. You know, yeah. uh, you'll, you'll be you'll be in uh, not black and white, but in audio uh, <laughs> audio. I can come uh, back and books, explain why right? we why we missed.
1: Yeah, uh, that's right. And ago.
0: hopefully we'll have a chance to do it. I understand we may be in Tennessee next year, mm-hmm. in Nashville. So. That that could be a fun a fun conference. I, agree. I I gather the the dynamic may be a little different too in terms of what you're seeing now from maybe what it was a, a couple years ago in terms of relationships and how yeah. that's working. Out. Tell talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, the uh, if if I were to go to anywhere, that would be maybe the core change the pandemic has driven, and maybe the virtual world. This is the same thing we're seeing in our portfolio companies. The building that intangibility, the trust, the relationship with a new customer or a, a new partner or a new investment opportunity, that's really hard. And if you go then to the pacing of deals, we are picking really early on the critical fee we're gonna focus on. And so the interplay of those two means if I haven't had a warm lead on a target or an opportunity or that I've established that trust and relationship before the process happens, that the odds are I'm probably too late. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, okay. just, it has gotten that competitive that wow. I'm, I'm, we got to be – and it's someone that we're a resident in the chemical space, we're laying seeds now for if and when, 5, 10, 15 years from now, wow. we're ready to be that, that partner when it, when it makes sense. Okay. So it really is a long game,
0: much, much longer game. Why do you think that is? I know you said maybe COVID or remote. I'm just curious what your sense of why that, yeah. why that dynamic is. Um,
1: so process dynamics faster, but compression of terms – so it's a it's a competitive market. Your ability to differentiate within that buyer group is much more difficult. If we're not there early, we don't have the time on the front end to build that rapport. In in a normal process, you would you would have several weeks leading into a management presentation, leading into a dinner or maybe part of the diligence process where we could do sort of the feel out and get to know you. That that dynamic is really gone. Okay. Uh, it's it's pretty accelerated now. Gotcha. Interesting.
0: And can you speak to a little bit of the Maybe the broader sense uh, is there consolidation? Obviously, to some extent, all the merger activity results in consolidation. Do you see specialty chemical? getting more consolidated i know i've talked to some people here at the conference that say look at big pharma look at uh, some of the auto industry you know that that over time we may see significant consolidation i've obviously as you come here and you see 900 people with hundreds of booths, it doesn't feel super consolidated to me as an observer but yeah. i'm wondering what your sense is in terms of the, the bigger trends on consolidation and, and specialty
1: chemical i think it plays a role uh Size-wise, let me frame maybe the buyer universe, right? So yeah. in my lens, right? So I've been with Edgewater a little over 10 years. When I started at Edgewater, when we lost, it was just a strategics, almost always. That has evolved now where it, when we lose, more often than that, it's going to go to a private equity-backed okay. strategic. So that dynamic is different. I think in private equity in general, there's a compression of returns, right, and opportunities. So we all look similar. And so you're seeing that dynamic play out, where the majority of acquisitions are add-on acquisitions, right? Mm-hmm. And so then, where does that take you? It means that anyone in that sort of five to twenty-five range in EBITDA is an add-on target. Yeah. Above that, there's it feels like there's an airball, where the <laughs> big the bigs are out there, and then there's not a lot sort of sub five or sub three in EBITDA. So that that spread seems to be pretty relevant, and especially your story on consolidation. Yeah. I would also describe private equity. We're balancing rate of deployment of equity with risk and return and so those are the two trades and so if you i would say people that are up market from us in fund size are more and more challenged as an asset are looking through the lens of an asset allocator and so therefore they're valuing things that are clean that i can get high velocity of deployment and then that links back exactly to your story on consolidation so if i can get dollars out quickly and a reasonable risk return then you're going to see consolidation fast so right now distribution's hot we're yep. seeing those get bid up whether they're differentiated or not, but it's easy to deploy and they're logical strategic buyers. And I would say similar to other markets, and I think you hit that the nail on the front end, and Then you're seeing this sort of gap where there's a hole where, they, and you look at this floor, where there are people that are sub five in EBITDA, and then there are a lot of people that are n- well north of 50 or 70 in EBITDA, and not a lot that are in the middle. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's sort that of Because that middle end group has been, con- has cons- been a target. I mean, consolidated. They're or consolidated and moved yeah. into one of the other, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, moved
0: yep. into that other group, interesting. Now, I know you you work with some owners. I'm interested in your take on kind of the relationship with operating partners, how that's changed and developed over the last few years and maybe where that may be heading.
1: Yeah. So if we're all paying more for businesses, then we have to find ways to help be a value-added provider to our portfolio companies. I so we think very much that way. One of the ways on each one of the pillars that I described, there's an operating partner that owns that space that comes out of industry that's technically trained And so we take that to heart. Most of us are finance, most in private equity are finance. And so when you're investing in technically driven organizations, there's a respect on where we belong and where we don't. And so having those operating partners to at least bring consistency of approach, market knowledge, and then we may go find a true domain expert in a particular area to build around our team. That's been pretty critical. And so when we're sitting with owner operators or corporate car we're describing pretty early on where we can add value, where we can be helpful, how we could be a partner and I'd say more of that with an owner operator when we're transacting, they're going to end up being our partner okay. when the deal's done. So that, or this comes back to that long tail relationship, right? Yeah. You're not doing that decision quickly. This is a marriage together, and how's this going to work? And are we aligned in vision? And are, is Edgewater bringing something unique or compelling that's going to help you get to the next step?
0: Gotcha. Right. So it is a long date so stick with the marriage analogy. Yep. It's a pretty long dating game here where you're doing courtships and yep. and proposals and working together and exploring the relationship for a long time before you get to that.
1: Yeah. And remember, for, for us, we're looking, we're not a high volume shop, right? So we're having lots of conversations and we're looking for two or three things that fit us. Mm-hmm. And we're replicating across those four areas a business model that we've been successful at. And so we're, we're looking to do that same typical approach. Not every deal is slightly different. Every investment is different. But the commonalities, the themes of what do our customer need? How do we build and scale the organization? How do we invest in the people? How do we invest in the, the organization, the the facility? The, those common stories. How do we assess a pipeline? All of those sorts of um, how you bring in the right amount of institutional processes to small companies. Uh, there are certainly common, common yeah. themes there.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, and that leads me to I wanted to ask about tips or advice you might want to give maybe folks you're not working with but that are here, MESACMA members or or attending the conference, about what they might want to think about, maybe even if they're not immediately looking to do some kind of combination, either on either side, buy or sell, but things they may want to think about in terms of process, procedure, accounting, other things that you sometimes see that are you know, make it a challenge to be properly valued that maybe you could give tips from your, because you, you bring that perspective of, hey, we've helped a lot of companies figure out how to clean things up, make the numbers look right, you yeah. know, and come up, you know, make it an attractive package. Yep. And, and I'm wondering if you have advice for folks that maybe things for them to think about now, even if it's two years, three years down the road before they'd look to be part of a transaction.
1: They are 10 years down the road. I, I would say go have some dialogues. It's a good place to start. There are enough of us in private equity or bankers that the commonality of the discussion where you don't need to be as maybe hidden or sneaky, it would not be strange for you to just sit with a banker and have a conversation or sit with someone in private equity and have a conversation. So I think go get those data points in order to make that assessment Mm -hmm. uh, and figure out what fits and what doesn't. And then help you figure out as an owner what's your motivation, what, what is your goal? Because if it's for highest dollar and being honest with yourself, it's probably a different buyer universe than saying, well, I'm looking for a partner that's going to help me get to the next step. So I think maybe being honest on what's the criteria you're looking for, the motivation. Two, I would say you can't prepare too much. The difference between the have and have nots, those that are prepared for a process is pretty significant in this day and age. To come back to the velocity of deployment sort of theme. The harder you make it, the less valuable the company is going to ultimately be. And that's okay we can embrace complexity but it's a detractor right Um, and then thinking about the data creation in a way that you've got to sustain it so we're going to start a process we're going to look at a data set and it's going to take some time to get through maybe weeks or months but we're going to ask you to refresh it three or four times going through it so doing it in a way that's repeatable and then the last and probably the most complex is one of the biggest areas we've always struggled in assessment is uh assessment of team and this is just how Mm. do things get done What's going on day to day? How is communication shared? How does the organization make decisions? Is it in the owner's head? Is there a written protocol or procedure? How do you set the right amount of framework around that without being bureaucratic? Because you've got to be agile and nimble. Then lead it into, all right, now I want a potential investor to assess my organization and my team. When do they have a seat at the table? When do they get introduced to us? When are you comfortable opening that, that conversation? So I think that's it's hard for us as a buyer to make that assessment and it's hard for that. That's risk for a seller. And when, when you make that decision, so those would be the three I'd be encouraging.
0: Okay. No, that sounds, that sounds good. That's a lot of good advice and a lot of things for, for people to think about. I know we've only got a few more minutes. I'm interested if you have any. Th- those are some really good tips. Any other things that you wanted to share with listeners to, to consider?
1: Yeah, no, uh, I appreciate the opportunity of inviting us here. I, you know, we'd welcome discussions with people that are, are interested in a partner, uh, certainly in our markets. So any, anything that thematically there's a, an ingredient, a component, or a technical service probably fits our platform. And if you're the customer buying decision, it's probably through a technical avenue that probably fits our platform. And so we'd welcome a dialogue whether or not it goes anywhere. On the other end, we are always eager to build out what we would call an executive partner program. So these would be folks in industry that would grow into an operating partner at Edgewater. But areas where I come back to, we're, we're picking specific domains that we want to be invested in. And so that means we need relationships. Gotcha. And so certainly would welcome uh, folks that would be interested in working with us.
0: And it's, if people want to get in touch with you, go to the Edgewater Capital website. Is that the easiest the Edgewater way website? To I imagine
1: we can stick that in the notes or something uh, okay. on the podcast. Great. So yeah, happy have, we'll have, have, have to reach out direct. Yeah, Excellent. absolutely.
0: All right, sounds good. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Well, good, lots of good advice for folks thinking about it, and I think it's a great overview of of where we are and how the landscape continues to change. So,
1: well, thank you. Thank, thank you for me. the opportunity. I look forward to uh, testing how right we were a year from now. Yeah, so. absolutely. I look forward
0: to getting back together, and we can, you know, we we'll we'll, we'll bet a drink on it. Right? Uh, I, like it. The other. I like so, it. I like it. I'll done. buy you one if you if you've called it correctly, <laughs> and, and vice versa. That sounds like fun.
1: Excellent. Right. Thank you. Thank you,
0: Absolutely. I appreciate it. This has been the In House Roundhouse. Thank you for listening and you can subscribe to this podcast at com or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you at the
1: next station.